Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante and today... We're talking about the New York Mets, the Crosstown Rivals. Is this a little brother podcast to do? I guess. It's sort of embarrassing that we're stooping to this level, but the reports are coming out about the Mets and not the Yankees. So we're giving you a special edition Crosstown Crosstalk uh, to try to uh, figure out if there's a fit between these two teams and contextualize the Yankees offseason in, you know, based in the way the Mets are spending. Because the latest reports we have are not about the Yanks, it's about the Mets. They're looking to maybe add another pitcher to their ledger after signing Max Scherzer. We couldn't even do the Scherzer thing. They're thinking about adding another guy. So we're going to talk about what that means. A couple Mets on the trade block as well. Are they fits for the Yankees? Is this too fanciful? To be real, we're going to talk about whether there's any overlap there as well. Plus a few nuggets on Yankees roster shuffles. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, even though Neil Young is off the platform, <laughs> as far as anywhere else that podcasts are listened to. You can also find us live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time, live streaming all off-season long. And hopefully the off-season doesn't last that much longer, and we can expand that coverage a little bit, do some post-game podcasts for you. Get live on here during all the big moments, and we, we don't just have to join you twice weekly to talk about, again, insiders strategically leaking nonsensical tips that they already had in their inbox December 3rd and are just giving to you every couple days just to be like, I'm an insider, remember me? I'm an insider, and it's like, all right, I'm bored. But this week, all of those have to do with the New York Mets. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. I guess we're talking about the boys from City Field. Why not? Uh, there's nothing to talk about anyway. There's nothing going on. I don't want to talk about bad Yankee stuff. Well, we're going to touch on that based on Joel Sherman's column uh, from Sunday, um, but nothing's going on. I know that the MLBPA is submitting uh, another proposal today. Um, yep. Last time we had a pod uh, when that was uh, a potential talking point, uh, they literally submitted um, the, uh, the, the, the the they submitted their proposal, and then there was a response like ten minutes after we were done. So we can probably expect something within the next two hours about what progress is being made. Um, it, can't be that much because like we said the progress that we saw a week or two ago um should have probably been the progress that we saw a month or two ago mm-hmm. um still lagging behind still don't know what's going on still feels like the season's gonna start late um still spinning our wheels don't have much to do there's just there is just what else do you want me to do you want me to start making up news guys that wouldn't be responsible uh also wouldn't be fun because then i'd have a target on my back and i don't want people i get enough shit for doing nothing i'm just hanging out writing like articles and people are like dude you're an asshole and i'm like all right fine cool so (laughs) for this but mets though mets if you're a mets fan you're excited uh also if you're a mets fan i don't want to hear your shit so just keep it to yourself and have fun that's how i kind of like to roll enjoy your success don't put it on others don't pretend like somebody else's failures is indicative of anything that you're doing um feel like Mets fans have been doing that to me uh and us over the last few years don't really know why but um guys New York baseball should be fun if we're both good unless we meet in the World Series none of it really matters or I guess unless we play each other in 2021 and the Yankees decide to shit the bed and miss the wild card game uh or have to go on the road for the wild card game because they dropped one of those games to the Mets then it matters a little bit but all in all see each other six times a year fun little subway series doesn't really has no long-term implications. This is not where, you know, we're facing each other 19 times a year, beating the piss out of one another, and then it determining our playoff fate. It's not like that. New York baseball, teams are good. City's fun. Let's just do that. Mets trying to make the city a lot more fun. They spent a ton before the lockout, which got us not upset that they were doing that. It got us pissed that the Yankees made one free agent signing, and it was it was a player. Uh, it was a team option rejection re-signing, so they could save a million dollars. And 
Meanwhile, the Mets are signing players that we need. We need a Max Scherzer type. Didn't have to be him, but someone like him. We needed a center fielder. We needed depth bats um, on the bench. Didn't get any of those. Didn't get anything except Joely Rodriguez coming back. Welcome back, Joely. But don't really didn't really need to have that be the marquee move. And now John Heyman this morning is saying that the Mets are planning to spend big when the lockout ends on a starting pitcher and another hitter. Guess who needs a starting pitcher and another hitter and another another hitter in the form of a first baseman, a shortstop, a center fielder, a bench piece, whatever it is. That's the Yankees. So how does this make you feel? Doesn't make me feel good. It's funny because we heard last week the Mets have never really considered Carlos Correa and have yeah. never really considered Chris Bryant. And, you know, that's their priority. And they've they spent more than enough money pre-lockout to justify passing on those guys after the lockout. I don't think there's a fan on earth who's like i don't believe the mets are big spenders now unless they get carlos correa it's like dude did you watch they were the only team doing anything it was like they were in lockstep with scott boris and the ownership just to be like we will ensure there were like them and the rangers just basically being the two guinea pigs that are like we're gonna make sure that contracts are being signed before the lockout so you can go into the bargaining room and say what do you mean nobody's signing max scherzer it's the isn't he the head of the Players Association? He signed, and, and we also signed six more people Thanksgiving weekend. Like, we're very dedicated to making moves. So no self-respecting Mets fan could be like, I'm glad we bought, you know, 100, you know, $400 million free agent types, but we could really use six more, and they better spend after the, you know, lockout ends or whatever, or I won't trust them. Um, but when I heard they were out on Correa and out on Bryant, and by out, I mean just, like, never really talked about it, it's like, okay, then I'm having trouble connecting the dots just to who the other expenditures could be. Trevor Story, theoretically, but that doesn't really fit. Baez coming back felt like something that they were going to splurge on until they decided not to. Um, and this was further clarified and, and felt even stranger to me Monday morning when Heyman's report came out saying they were going to spend big on a pitcher and add to the payroll and make it something like 270 to $300 million because the pitchers are gone for the most part. And outside of Clayton Kershaw, which like are the Mets going to, are the New York Mets going to sign Clayton Kershaw to a 30 million average annual value deal and bump their payroll up into the 280 range. I mean, that's absolutely insane, but if they're planning to spend big on a pitcher, you have to consider it because of the names that are still on the table. And then the second one is Carlos Rodon, who is a huge fit for the Yankees is, probably going to command a lot of money on a short-term deal because we have absolutely no evidence he can stay healthy, including last year where he was a Cy Young, you know, top of the pile finisher, but still barely could pitch in August and September. Didn't get past like what the 130 inning marker or whatnot, like very impressive season, a risk I would take, especially because he doesn't tie you down for very long, but you are looking at, I mean, he made something like $2 million last year after being cut by the White Sox and re-signed, he's going to want 20 to $25 million annually. So that's going to be of Justin Verlander contract. Like, they're going to treat him like old man Verlander. And it's going to be okay. two years, $40 million, maximum like three years, $60 million or something like that. But the Yankees theoretically prefer to spread their payments out over a longer period of time. That's why DJ LeMay, he was here for six years instead of four years at the same dollar value. I'm not arguing with it. I'm just saying that that's what they do. So Rodon is a guy I could definitely see going to the Mets just because of the lack of names in the free agent pile in terms of upper echelon starting pitchers. Who are we talking about? They already didn't get Kevin Gossman. That was supposed to be their other use of money. Uh, he went to Toronto. Robbie Ray would have kind of made sense. Steven Matz was somebody they entertained bringing back before he went to the Cardinals. And the Mets went scorched earth after Steven Matz's agent ruined their lives, apparently. So they, they're clearly hungry for pitching, although Scherzer, it felt like, you know, came after all of those and was sort of the big domino. If they still intend to make a big move like this and, and escalate their payroll to monster territory, like like Heyman suggests, it, it's Rodon or, or Kershaw, right? Unless there's a wild card I'm just completely forgetting about. No, you're totally right. I started thinking, though, what if this meant a trade? Now, I don't know who would be available, but the Mets have uh, rumors last week suggested that they have a lot of guys that they're willing to part with. I don't know what a package of those guys would get them. Um, I also don't know who's entirely available for a trade. You got like Bumgarner, who I'm sure the Diamondbacks would like to part with because they're not contending. Uh, 
Patrick Corbin are the like is are they going to do that in division in division? Do the Nats really want to like you know fully be out of uh, fully you know make themselves less of a contender? I'm not saying Corbin's like an ace, but he helps deepen your rotation. Um, I, I don't like I don't know who else or, or like there there's not that many options, but you do kind of you you do start assuming Clayton Kershaw because that's the number one like big ticket spend there. Um, and we have no indication that that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of tough to diagnose. Um, but what concerned me more is that um, when, when looking at how the Mets are apparently going to be aggressive, once again, guys, these reports, um, however, based on the Mets behavior this past off season, and even last year, I know last year we laughed at them because they didn't spend, they traded for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco and they signed Lindor to that contract. So they got their cornerstone. Mm-hmm. He had a bad 2021. It happens. You know, we just saw Glaber Torres play really badly for two years. So it hurts when that happens and people are giving you shit for it. But that's the reality of it. Still made a move, still tried to make the team better. Um, and Joel Sherman's talking about, you know, in lockstep with the Mets wanting to spend Yankees here. Here's how I see the Yankees. He says three options. It's either you come out of the lockout and you're going after you're going after a guy like, uh, Carlos Correa or Trevor Story to hold down the Ford at shortstop where there's a clear hole. You go after a star first baseman, whether it's Freddie Freeman and that uh, and his departure from Atlanta is actually realistic or not. Or you trade for uh, Matt Olson, also totally realistic. Or there's a third option, and that is spread, spreading that money around that you would spend on that one player to create more depth around the roster, which the Yankees also need to do. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit problematic here because you look at the roster, ton of holes, probably – Third, you know, I, I know we're saying fourth best. I'd like to say that their ceiling is second best if they make, you know, some of the right moves. If some of these guys come back and they can play to their potential. But right the now, names, they- the names on the roster are better yeah. than the Rays. Like it, it feels weird to say that because the Rays yeah. blitzed the division last year. But there are holes in Randy Rosarena's game that yep. we saw last season. He had a great postseason as he always does. But the, the Rays are looking to trade Kevin Kiermeyer, who's a problematic player. Mike yeah. Zanino is a problematic player. Wander is exactly what we were promised, and he's going to have a huge year this year. But Joey Wendell is gone. The na- and, and the Rays pitching staff has been decimated. Glass now is not coming back. Yep. All of the AAA guys they threw out in the ALDS got rocked last year. So who knows whether they take a step forward. You're right that it, it does feel like we keep saying fourth place team. It's mm-hmm. worth noting the, Yan- the names on the Yankees and the talent there, are it's a better roster than the Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. They perform yeah. worse. <laughs> Correct. Uh, the Rays are the antithesis of the Yankees. Um, so I think that's just part of the universe. The universe balancing itself is having the Rays be better than the Yankees for a few years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you look at it and the Yankees deepening the roster. The Yankees depth was a problem last year. They had Brett Gardner playing in 140 plus games. You had Tyler <laughs> Wade, who I, I ended up enjoying. Tyler Wade, I ended up enjoying, but should Tyler Wade be, you know, playing in 103 games in center field, in left field, at third base, at shortstop? Probably not. Probably not. Um, so, and, you know, we had issues with injuries like there are every year, every single year. And then you have guys usually in 20, in from 2017 to 2019, guys stepped in and it was seamless, but really wasn't the case from uh, in, over the last two years. So depth is clearly a problem. And then, but then when you look at that assessment from Sherman saying, okay, here's what they're going to do. They're probably going to take the money that they would spend on one of those two stars, chop it down a little bit, spread it out around. There are no really good depth op- depth options in free agency right now. They've all been they've all been taken up, and the Mets, namely, took a couple of them. Eduardo Escobar would have been a great fit for this Yankees team. Mark mm-hmm. Canha, another great fit for this Yankees team. Yankees dragged their feet; they didn't want to spend. Mets got Mets got the gold there. Mets deep in their roster, and they're preparing themselves for some sort of exodus with these players that they they want to get rid of. So. That's why the problem is more than just, oh, the Yankees don't want to spend. It's they don't want to not only do they not want to spend, but either their future expenditures that we're trying to forecast here are the wrong ones. And a lot of the past expenditures have been the wrong ones. You look at this Yankee roster now, the biggest problem with it is that it costs two hundred and two million dollars and they're still not as good as they should be. So we're not calling the Yankees cheap. The Yankees payroll is 200 plus every year. But we are we are calling them out for not playing the role that they should be because they should be more like the Dodgers and Brian Cashman shouldn't be fo- focusing a lot of his energy on 
getting below the luxury tax, limiting the pool of players that he can chase at free agency, and then working out these trades where he's trying to minimize the the the, the most amount of risk and minimize the loss in, in, in these deals as much as possible because he has his hands tied due to these restrictions. So if this is not a message for Hal Steinbrenner to kind of just be like, okay, we're going to blow past – you know, two forty million this year, which really isn't even that big of an ask. That's another thirty five no. million dollars, um, and that's a ten million dollar in tax. So you're talking like an extra forty five million, which you're going to make on beer sales in the first two months of the seasons anyway. Like it, there's got to be something here that because the Yankees and Mets are not rivals. I, I, I will be the first person to say that it's a fun little thing. It's great. However, there are expectations. You're sharing the biggest market in the sport, and there are headlines to be made from various outlets yeah. and. If the Mets are big boy in the Yankees or vice versa, the Mets a bit, Mets fans are tired of hearing about how, you know, we're better and we've outspent them and we've put our resources um, to the task much better than they have, which was true when the Wilpons were owning. Now the script is starting to flip if this is exactly what's going to happen because now you're looking at the Yankees and they're hesitant to spend in a very crucial year because 2022, you got a lot of guys coming off the books. You're going to be looking at a roster facelift in many regards. Um and it's just tough when the team right next to you is doing everything that you should. I'm not tell, I'm not saying, oh, great, okay, go up the payroll to 300 and sign everybody. No, mm-hmm. but there's got to be one thing that happens that is it's able to alleviate the multitude of problems that have affected this roster for the last two years because they're evident. And Hal Steinbrenner can come on Zoom all he wants and blame the players. Yes, part of the game does fall on the players, but also yeah. a lot of it falls on the roster construction, which – was problematic this year. It falls on the personalities you're bringing into the organization, which was evident this past year. So, yeah, it's on the players, but it's also on the, the, the it's also on the ownership who's allowing X amount of money to be spent. It's on the general manager for bringing in these types of players and formulating these types of moves. So, this it needs to be some sort of a wake up call because this is just not going to do it for them next year. Well, hit strikes hard should should cover that, right? If That's they just start too. hitting strikes hard, life should be just fine. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'd never seen it. I said over and over again, I'd never seen any group regression like what several no. of these Yankees players did over the past no. several years. And then I saw Julius Randle this year for the Knicks, and I was like, oh, I guess <laughs> I guess it just happens now. I guess people just the New York from, epidemic. Yeah, they just go from great to way worse, and there's no explanation. It's like a mental health crisis. But uh, you know, you're right that they're. The problem is that we can't have it all. Like, of course, yeah. we need more depth. Of course, we need to reappropriate money for depth. Um, and there's no way to not pass the luxury tax threshold this year. That's why we dipped under it last year. That's why we begged the Cubs to take money in the Anthony Rizzo trade um, and, and pay his entire salary and help us out there. There's there's literally no way to stock this roster without passing the luxury tax unless the Yankees just go with minor leaguers at like eight positions, which yeah. they should not do. Um, you know, hopefully nobody tells how Steinbrenner that's on the table because I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but but they're at the point now where they can't not pass it. Um, but Sweeney Murdy wrote something about, you know, keep your eyes on the CBA negotiations because it, the luxury tax, the reality is the luxury tax threshold is going to determine the way the Yankees behave ad infinitum for the future. Nothing will change. So just keep an eye on what the stipulations are that do change in the negotiation. He also warned everybody that, you know, it's probably in the best interest of both the players and the owners to keep the restrictions largely in place and certainly not alleviate any of them because screwing the big market teams like the Yankees is one of the few things that both sides agree on. So you're not going to want to take something out of the equation when you disagree on 35 other individual points. No one's going to handshake to make the Yankees' lives easier. Mm -hmm. So he he two-pronged let us know that, you know, this is keep an eye on the CBA, but this is here to stay. It got way harsher in 2017 um, but also, yeah, this will continue to determine the way that the Yankees behave. And for people who don't know how the luxury tax behaves and why they should care and, and why things maybe, you know, why the Yankees were so content to just pay chunks of money every year from 2003 to 2016, but aren't so much anymore and keep ducking under things is because now you don't just lose money. You lose draft slots. You, you drop 10 slots in the draft if you spend too much. You lose international bonus money, which might become a draft soon anyway. But for now, and you use you lose draft pool money. So the Yankees can't draft as high, and they can't even steal late-round expensive people and try to lure them away from college commitments because they're also losing money in that pool. So there are multiple reasons why they don't want to surpass the luxury tax threshold if they don't have to. They don't want the repeater tax. They, they need to duck under when they can, and I get it, but yeah. – all of those are valid points until you realize the Los Angeles Dodgers have managed to do what they do 
without ever, you know, it's like, do you want to replenish the farm system or do you want to pay the luxury tax? The Dodgers have managed to do both. They have an incredible farm system. They had Kyber Ruiz leading the way behind the plate after graduating Will Smith to the big leagues. He's like the best catcher in the National League. And Diego Cartaya behind him is now the number 13 prospect in all of baseball named by Keith Law. So they have three young catchers in the system last year, age like 27 to 19, who were all upper echelon top of the game. Like the Dodgers farm system is the gold standard. This year it felt like it was thinning out after they traded Ruiz and Josiah Gray. And you start to go, are are any of these names, the like are the Dodgers still the model? Kind of. Cartaya is important. Bobby Miller is important. Michael Bush is important. Uh, there are like three or four pitchers a lot of people believe in. There's the next wave of Latin talent like Miguel Vargas. Um, th- there's a lot of like third baseman, they got that. Catcher, they got that. High-level pitching options, they got that. And they'll buy anyone. They have David Price's contract half on their books right now. He might. They don't even have a full rotation. He might not be in the rotation, and they're still willing to pay $16 million for David Price next year. So how do the Dodgers make it work? And the Mets plan to spend between 270 and 300 million dollars and accrue depth like Eduardo Escobar and Mark Hanna. And the Yankees are still sitting here telling people, you know, we could pass the luxury tax threshold, but then we wouldn't be able to build a farm system. Well, the Dodgers have a better farm system than you, and they spend money constantly. So we've said it a million times. We'll say it again. None of us are out here saying the Yankees better spend 300 million dollars every year, or, or I'm burning my season tickets. Uh, like. <laughs> You know, all the NFL fans did when they said, I'll never watch another game except for I'll probably stub hub tickets by week eight because I love the NFL. Like, we're not saying we're going to burn our tickets. We're not saying we're never going to the Yankee Stadium unless they, you know, buy story and Correa. But the Dodgers are doing it. The Mets seem keen on doing it. They got a pretty good farm system, too. Yeah. And we're out here saying, well, you don't want us to sacrifice our farm system. We're worse than the Dodgers and Mets. So pick a lane. Yeah. Just stop acting like, you know, a couple of big contracts are hamstringing you because we're not the Cincinnati Reds. You didn't sign Joey Votto to a giant deal in a smaller market. And let's be real. I know teams have smaller markets, but every team is still valued at over a billion dollars. So there's room to spend for everybody. But the Yankees can't be acting like this. The Yankees can't be whining about signing Garrett Cole after they outbid themselves. You did that. And that's what you that, that's what you decided to do. And then. It, it hasn't worked out exactly as you had projected, and there needs, there needs to be more help a little bit else in other areas. Um, there's always ways to cut salary. Ryan Cash was doing it creatively for the last 10 years, so they shouldn't be worrying about that. They're worrying about, they're worrying about the one thing that makes them unique compared to everybody else, and that's, when they're gonna, that's where it feels like they're getting away from what the ultimate goal is. The ultimate goal is is to win a World Series, and it's kind of by any means necessary, especially when you're heading into a season where you have Aaron Judge in a contract year. We don't know. We still don't know what's going to happen there. Conventional wisdom would suggest that, hey, if the Yankees are giving out contract extensions to Aaron Hicks and Luis Severino, Aaron Judge should be under contract three years ago, regardless of his injury history. But here we are. So anyway, uh, if you want to talk about Cashman doing other things aside from spending money – trades trades yeah. are going to happen you can you can expect a pitcher trade i would say um because kershaw is just not realistic for the yankees hey never say never yeah. that'd be awesome um and like scroll, you said scroll down the list scroll down the list of available of pitchers who had 4.63 eras last year with expected eras of 4.24 and high fastball spin rates and you'll find the yankees pitching target yeah um, I don't know if they're, I don't think my guess was that is that they won't pay Carlos Rodon the money that he's probably looking for, because no. if you're going to give if, if, if the exception, there should be Justin Verlander. I still think that was a stretch for an age 39 guy coming off Tommy John surgery. That's just me though. Um, just cause you know, the, the most effective year that you're going to get out of him is 2023 year after Tommy John is just, it's not what you're paying for. Um, so I don't think they're going to pivot and offer that money, that 20 million, even that 18 million to Rodon. Um, so we're going to see some trades. Unfortunately, the Mets don't have any pitchers to offer unless they were to, I guess, change their tune tomorrow. Um, but- Zach Wheeler. Oh no, <laughs> oh, whoops, sorry. Nope. Yeah, can't do that. Some random person's medicals fell through. Sorry. Um, <laughs> me- uh, the Mets are ready to offer and talk about Jeff McNeil, Dominic Smith and JD Davis. You added a nice little sexy name to this to this list as we discussed some trades. Um, Steve Cohen's running the show. Like we said, it's been a little bit of a trailblazing effort by him. Um, he's thinking outside the box. He's 
soliciting fan questions and suggestions. So you got to let, you got to respect what he's doing. Um, are we going to see a Yankees Mets trade this off season, post lockout before the deadline? We came the closest we ever have in 2019 to the Zach Wheeler deal that was agreed upon that fell apart. Um, and then the Yankees just decided not to sign him that off season for $118 million, which is still beyond me. Um, but now with the Yankees looking to deepen their bench, as we just talked about, maybe they make a couple of trades to deepen the bench. And then they actually use that money for good purposes, bigger players. I don't know. Maybe uh, these were funny ones just because um, I feel like, look, there is a certain level of shame and putting your tail between your legs involved in hearing that the Mets have spent so much money that now some of the other starters from their old core are expendable yeah. and, and to be like, Oh my God, wait. So like you improved so much, you don't need Dom Smith anymore. Like, great. Here we are. Now we'll be the 2018 Mets, <laughs> a team we all know, like was not very successful. Um, but Jeff McNeil, uh, Dom Smith, J.D. Davis are the names that have been exchanged as people that Steve Cohen is, is actively looking to rid himself of. None of them are perfect fits for what the Yankees need. Um, but then again, never say no to talent, no. right? So I, I have no interest in being like, wow, it's a little weird to fit Jeff McNeil onto the Yankees roster. So I guess I won't explore it. Like, no, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to try to play the angles. Jeff McNeil had a down 2021 season, uh, ended up with an 88 OPS plus, played left field, second, third. Um, you know, not a great year. He was okay. He argued with Francisco Lindor about a, a rat in the dugout or a raccoon or whatever the hell that was. Um, I tried hard not to pay attention to that, but that happened at some point. Jeff McNeil's first three years are among the three best ever for a debuting second baseman. 138 OPS plus his rookie year, 143 in 2019 when he made the all-star team. And then the short in 2020, checking in at 130 as well. So the 88 mark last year is very uncharacteristic. McNeil had 23 bombs, 75 ribs, 318 average, 384 OBP in that 2019 season. He's basically the platonic ideal of what Yankee fans claim to want. He is somebody who puts bat on ball, bats left. He plays second, third left. He makes contact in addition to hitting for power. 2019, Jeff McNeil is a perfect player to add to any roster. And, and again, you can say, we got Glaber at second. We got DJ at third. We don't have a shortstop. He can't play shortstop. We got Gallo in left. You sign Jeff McNeil. You're, you trade for Jeff McNeil. You're going to figure out a way to play it. Yes. Move Joey Gallo to center. McNeil plays left 60 games a year. Uh, Aaron Hicks plays 100 games overall as a late-inning defensive replacement. Starts 45 times. I, I don't really know what to tell you about Aaron Hicks. I guarantee you Glaber gets hurt. McNeil starts the second. I guarantee you DJ gets hurt. McNeil starts the third. He, he plays 120 games as a New York Yankee. Yes. And you don't look back. Um, it, it's not the, again, it's not the easiest sell because you're not filling a hole. You're not trading for a center fielder. But Jeff McNeil's a winning baseball player. He's under control through 2024. He's going to cost you a lot of prospect capital. Mm. Even after the down year, the Mets are not going to be like, this 130 OPS plus second baseman is not going to be available to you for bounce backs or for, you know, bottom of the top 30 prospect pile gibberish. Um, I tried to pitch. It, it was hard to find a trade that made sense, right? Yeah. Because it was hard to say, um, you know, we don't really need this guy, and he's going to hopefully be a utility player, and he's not an immediate starter. But let's give up Oswald Peraza and Luis Heel to the New York Mets. Like, even though that might be what they ask for first, it's just hard to justify being like, yeah, our number three or number four prospects, uh, yeah, with, with no discernible flaws. Like, sure, for Jeff McNeil, who we're hoping plays 110 games next year. Like, that just didn't make sense. Then I started to go with, like, well, what about Clark Schmidt, who people still like, and Davey Garcia, who's just outside the top 10, even though he had an absolutely disastrous season. And then plus Brandon Lockridge, who's the MLB Pipeline 19th best Yankees prospect, a center fielder who could theoretically play this year for the big league bombers who might get taken in the rule five draft. If it ever happens, it probably won't. He probably won't stick on a roster all year long, but something to think about and putting that together felt fairer. You're, you're still giving away two consensus top 12 prospects. And then also a, a guy who's an MLB ready outfield, you know, fourth outfielder. But then again, you know, that that's almost veering into the Andujar Frazier territory. I still believe in Clark Schmidt, but he hasn't shown it. Davey Garcia, I mean, had the worst year you'll ever see. Like, it, it's everybody else who's making these prospect lists is higher on Davey Garcia than anybody who watched him last year when he was walking, like, four men per nine innings. So if you were to tell me after hearing a hypothetical trade like that, hey, that sounds like Andujar and Frazier for Garrett Cole, I kind of have to nod and be like, yeah, kind of. 
Um, so that's why it's sort of an imperfect fit to give away really upper echelon guys for Jeff McNeil. Dom Smith is more of a dude who needs a bounce back campaign. He was all-star type when he played in 2019. He was an MVP, top 15 MVP finisher last year. Or not last year. 2020. Uh, in 2020. Last year he was awful. Yeah. Um, exit Velo way down. Outs above average who was in the first percentile in yeah. terms of defense. Like So 99% of major leaguers were better on defense than Tom Smith when you put him in left field. That is so, so bad. But as a backup first baseman, as the Luke Voigt type, if you want to turn Luke Voigt into some Brewers prospects, you could do worse. But And J.D. Davis is an offense-only fit at this point, also dreadful at third base, also dreadful in left field, serious downgrade over Joey Gallo there. And the Mets are probably going to be able to pry more from a left field or a DH-needy team if they do want to trade J.D. Davis. But those two trades, like David Garcia, it feels like could be included in either of those deals, right? Because you're dealing with people who had awful 2021s without as long of a track record. And the only other name I want to throw out is Brandon Nimmo, who switched agents to Boris Corps this offseason, needs to be extended after this season. It really snuck up on me because he does not have – availability is not one of Brandon Nimmo's fantastic abilities. He has – Played 140 games in 2018, hasn't come close ever since. Playing 69 game seasons in, in 2019 and played like an 80-something game season last year. When he plays, he produces. He's, a, he's the ideal leadoff man, as annoying as it is to watch him sprint out of the box uh, on, and get hit by pitches on the inside current. He got hit by 22 pitches in 2018. An extremely annoying player to play against. Platonic ideal offensively, not quite defensively, but offensively, you can't ask for a better leadoff man. Right now, he's penciled in as the Mets' starting left fielder uh, alongside Starling Marte, but they're in for a contract fight when the lockout ends. Do they want to yeah. pay someone who's available for half seasons? Do you really want to pay him $20 million a year or, or whatnot, which is probably what Boris is going to ask for because he's that kind of player when healthy, but never healthy. So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So, tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush that for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. So, do you want to be the team that takes that chance? I don't think the Mets do. I think they have a lot of other spending to do, and they already bought a center fielder, which is where he, you know, usually goes. Mm-hmm. Um, he might play up defensively in left field. Totally understand that. But, you know, that's a hefty price to pay. So if you know you're going to lose him, wouldn't you consider trading him? Especially because even with all the risks involved, somebody's going to give you two top 10 prospects for yeah. Brandon Hero this year. Really yeah. good baseball player. You're uh, getting value for him, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and so if you know you're going to lose him, which it feels like the Mets might, and they're more likely to extend him than the Yankees are, because we're not paying Brandon Nimmo, Scott Boris rates. The yeah. Mets just paid Max Scherzer. They're more likely to, to dip into the Boris pool. But that's a hefty contract coming your way for somebody who it can't be oversold, never plays. So yeah. that's someone who intrigues me. That's someone who I start dangling Luis heel for, and I stop thinking rationally, and I start going, you know, yeah. close to the majors pitcher for, for one year of Brandon Nimmo. How are you going to say no to this Mets if you want to be interesting? Uh, you know, use Davis out there and left. I mean, you keep Jeff McNeil. Mm-hmm. You have him for three years. You yeah. have Nimmo for one. Like, if you're floating Jeff McNeil, I'm in a counter with Brandon Nimmo. That, that's mm-hmm. where I'm at right now. I think, yeah, I mean, I totally agree because he's the one that makes the most sense for maximizing your trade return and if we're talking about the Yankees being an actual viable trade partner. The Yankees are playing for 2022. I understand they're also playing for beyond that, but 2022 is the year. Um, you don't want to go as far to say as World Series or bust because then, you know, it's not fun when you don't meet the ultimate goal. But yeah, if the Yankees don't win the AL with a team with the team that they have right now and potential additions that are on the way, then it's a it's gonna it, we're going into decade two of of massive failures. Um, and the problem with the other trade candidates is is how the Mets view them. Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, and J.D. Davis, and how a team like the Yankees would view them. The Yankees have better players at other positions starting than any of these three guys who were starters on the Mets last year. So the Mets might view these assets as, oh, these are potential starters who can, you know, 
play 130, 40 games for you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and potentially, potentially play at an all-star level. They have, they, they, they have the ability. You've seen the career numbers. Um, and then, the, then you have a disconnect there where the Yankees are like, we're already set. This guy's going to be a bench dude for us. You can give him to him. You can give him to us for this, or uh, go. I guess go find so, somebody else. Go go talk to the Royals. See what see what they'll be willing to give you because I don't think it's going to be that much. Um, so I think the Yankees do have an advantage here because at the end of the day, I'll argue it till the day I die. Baseball's a what have you done for me lately sport. We talk about it every single year. You could be a dog shit reliever in, 20, in last season, and then you can have the two months of your goddamn life coming into this year, and you're going to go for two top 10 prospects at the trade deadline. It's just how it works. Yeah. So in terms of working out a deal with these guys, I think it's possible. Um, I, I think that um, the disconnect here is the issue between what the Yankees might view them as and what the Mets potentially view them as. And the problem there is, is Steve Cohen kind of willing to potentially take an L, which the Wilpons were not willing to do. The Wilpons wouldn't deal mm-hmm. at all with the Yankees. They were clearly fearful of deals not working in their favor. And then the Yankees having another leg up on them and being, being, uh, being the, the winner on the back page and the Mets look like a laughing stock. Um, so I, I actually like the Nimmo fit. I don't really like any of these players. I like Dom Smith as a bench piece backup first baseman. I think that's a tremendous yeah, fit. That, that's all he'd be I, for Yeah, me. I think that's an awesome fit. I think Jeff McNeil bouncing around the diamond is fun too. Um, but I'm more like, look, you just talked about how you think Jeff McNeil is is like a, you know an all-star caliber player. I don't really agree. He could be. You know, 63 games in 2018, that's to me nothing. All-star campaign in 2019 where he blew the roof off everything. And then you don't see those numbers return ever again. I understand 2020 was a shortened campaign, but still four home runs in 52 games when he hit 23 and 133 the year before. Um, yeah, it's Glaber. Yeah. It's, it's Glaber. Yeah, I know he hit for average and his OPS was still there and his and his advanced metrics were there. But like you see this big disconnect in 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 these other numbers. He also stole zero bases in in 2020 and three this past season after stealing 12 in his first two seasons. So like what's going on there. Um, and then you have the short in 2020 where he did okay. And then you have a year where he played 120 games and was awful. So you might just be looking at a player who's inconsistent for the rest of his career. It's totally possible. I'm not doubting Jeff McNeil at all. I'm just looking at, you know, I'm looking at the numbers over the last few years and it doesn't entirely tell me this guy's a bonafide major league player who's going to elevate your roster without question. Um, so Maybe the Mets view him like that. Maybe the Mets are like, hey, he plays second base, third base, and outfield. That's tremendous value. And he hits from the left side of the plate, and he hits for contact, and he did hit for power once upon a time. Um, just willing to – it's it's going to be tough, especially because, like I said before, with Brian Cashman having all these other responsibilities on his plate, every trade package is is catered to limit risk and – limit the losses in said deal. You look at the Sonny Gray trade, you look at the Lance Lynn trade, you look at the Joey Gallo trade, all those things, they were, they, they were so nuanced and they included such specific players that it's mm-hmm. going to be hard to make a deal like this work. However, I don't know who I'm totally on board with here. I love the Nimmo idea because it's 2022 or bust for the Yankees. And because like you said, Mets could just keep Jeff McNeil cheaper guy, more versatile. You get him for longer years. It helps your budget moving forward. I don't think they're going to sign Brandon Nimmo after this year, after what he's done. They're not re-signing Michael Comforto. So they're clearly, no, he's gone. Yeah. They're yeah. not spending any money on Boris outfielders anytime soon. And they need to, ele- they're going to need to elevate in other areas. Um, and th- then getting, you know, 85 games out of Brandon Nimmo. So I think that's the best potential dealing um, although I do, I see a fit for everyone here, except JD Davis, we don't need another DH. Um, it's just for me, I know I've said it three times now. It's just the disconnect in the price. I think that's going to be the biggest problem. Um, but I think, but I also think if everyone comes into this without being a hard head and without being worried, Oh my God, are we going to lose prospects to the Mets or the Mets? Oh, are we giving up a, a tremendous talent? And Jeff McNeil is going to haunt us for the next 10, uh, five to 10 years. If everyone just went into this face value, understanding who needed what, what what everybody what everybody was looking to uh, achieve next season and and the next year, you could you could you could come out of this with with a a, a minimize a, a a very minimal risk and you can get what you want. Mets can up their pitching, improve their bullpen, improve their starting rotation, improve the top end of their farm system, which they where they desperately need help. And the Yankees can get more depth at the major league level. Um, 
I don't know. It, it feels like it feels like it's closer to happening ever, you know, with the players that are available and how they might fit. Um, I, I don't know how I don't know how they uh, the, I, and the other connection here, which we failed to mention this entire time is Billy Epler. Billy Epler and Brian mm-hmm. Cashman, close buddies. Is that going to play a role here? I don't know. Mate, Mike. Yeah, why didn't we ever trade with the Angels? Now that I think about no it, idea. that never happened. Uh, maybe we hate him. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, the the Epler factor. Uh, the, the It's J.D. Davis. Somebody is going to get an interesting bat. J.D. Davis, yeah. the exit velocity numbers are, are large there. And, and it's all well and dandy, but I, I don't have any interest in surrendering anyone in the Yankees farm system to add J.D. Davis no. to my bench. He can't field. He doesn't really feel a need. If J.D. Davis could catch, it's a different, you know, different equation entirely. But uh, it, it's not saying J.D. Davis is a bad player, just saying not for us. Don't get it. Dom Smith is hard to justify for us, honestly, too. I uh, yeah. love the guy. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but the mcneil Nimo conundrum is, is definitely worth pondering. Um, before we go, let's talk about Gio Rochelle, the utility man, a little bit. Uh, unless uh, you've got something else you want to talk about, any bets you lost on, on a Championship Sunday uh, or parlays you pulled off or, or Joe Burrow uh, and his cigar chomping or anything like that, uh, how the Patriots fans wasted their energy cheering the Chiefs losing so they wouldn't become a dynasty, which – is one of the saddest things I've ever seen a fan base do. And it was mostly 55 year old men. So Mm. uh, go have children instead of doing whatever it is that you're doing or pay attention to your kids that you already have, because this is very, very sad uh, and you should seek help. But let's talk about Gio Rochelle, the utility player a little bit, because uh, Joel Sherman did talk about this in the column today. I think a lot of us have sort of assumed erroneously that Rochelle would be the easiest man to trade from this infield log jam. Uh, You know, is he your starting shortstop? Probably shouldn't be. Is DJ LeMay, who's starting at third? If not, where does he go? Glaber Torres is probably your second baseman again this year. Uh, you know, after, you know, the second baseman in 2020 to the shortstop last year, back to the second baseman at the end of the year. And he was actually good. So I completely understand wanting to open the season. He was good in August and September. Yeah. A lot of us had preconceived Glaber notions from how terrible he was in the previous months. The power started to return down the stretch a little bit, not in the 40 homer way it existed in 2019. But down the set stretch, Glaber was way better. So where does this leave Gio Urshela? Is he going to be what we envisioned from Oswaldo Cabrera next year? Is he going to play 90 to 100 games? A lot of the numbers from Urshela, whether it be metrics, whether it be, you know, hard hit, power obviously down last year, did not look like uh, the player that we claimed he was. A lot of people spent a lot of time tearing down the way Yankees fans defended Gio Urshela's defense. Uh, by saying, you know, he's a barely above average hitter, barely above average defender, and you guys all need to shut up. And it was like the eye test said differently. Mm-hmm. But last year, everything started to look more like what people claimed you Urshela had been all along. So how do you feel about the possibility of Urshela as a utility man? And do you think that is more likely that he sort of sticks around as the 26th man on the bench rather than an everyday third baseman? It's intriguing. So the problem I have with it is Sherman's Sherman's, uh, I guess, prognostication is that the Yankees will bring back Anthony Rizzo. They will sign in Drelton Simmons. DJ LeMahieu will play third base. And then Gio Urshela gets relegated to the bench as a utility player. Um, But still getting plenty of reps. So I'm not really worried about that. Once again, I'm not worried about anybody on the Yankees bench getting reps. Brett Gardner, like I said before, 140 games, however, however many years it's been where we thought he was going to be playing in 90 to 95. It's every year he's playing more every year. Somebody else that you've, you didn't expect is getting a hundred more at bats than they should. So I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is that infield formation, because if you're moving geo to the bench and putting Andrelton Simmons in the starting lineup, then you're downgrading your lineup. It doesn't, because I think at this rate, Gio Urshela would be a better everyday shortstop than Andrelton Simmons top to bottom uh, with Simmons's declining defense and just overall league worst offense. He's, he's in hmm. like, he's in the bottom of everything for a- anything imaginable. Everything. Um, so Gio Urshela, if we upgrade somewhere, if, you know, I, I don't, but I don't know what the upgrade, the only upgrade I could see here is your, signing a star shortstop and then you're just taking DJ LeMahieu out of the utility role, which is where you would expect him to be anyway. Cause that's, I guess what the Yankees have envisioned him to be this entire time and switching of a Gio Urshela. So this is just confusing to me more than anything. Um, I saw that in the column 
and raised an eyebrow. And then I went to Twitter and Yankee fans were talking about the possibility too. And in my head, I'm just like, this is just, this is just pulling a bunch of switcheroos and hoping for the best. Are you getting Matt Chapman here? Is that, is that part of it? If we're getting Matt Chapman here or signing Trevor story or, you know, bringing in Freddie Freeman and then something like, I don't know. I, I really don't know what happens here, but if the scenario is, let's just move Gio Rochelle into utility role, put TJ LeMay with third base and sign a stopgap who's not good. I don't see the value in that. I don't know if you do. I guess the only value in that is that you're grooming Gio Rochelle to be a utility player and he's younger and more able-bodied and can play defense up the middle, um, better defense up the middle compared to TJ LeMayhew. So that's the only positive there. Otherwise, I don't understand why this would hold any weight. The only other, another positive here, which I also, this is this is something they would have to prepare for, is you put him in a utility role, show that he can play multiple positions, but team or, teams already know that, and then further build his trade value for the deadline in July, and you can get your hands on something that's a little bit more escalated in value than you had ever imagined doing. Um, but face value right here, improving the roster before 2022, I don't, I don't understand why this would be a topic of conversation. It's so weird because, again, like, what Gio Rochelle is on the trade block now that he's basically been rendered completely irrelevant. Like, 2019, he was one of our best players, and, mm-hmm. and nobody would have endorsed a trade at that point. But now at the end of 2021, it feels like you're t- – I mean, you know, trade value flips so quickly in this game. Yeah. As, as slow-moving as baseball really is, it flips entirely from a, on a year-to-year basis, and now – it feels like they could be able to give away Gio Urshela for like, a, what, a top 30 prospect or, or like a teenage lottery yeah. ticket. Like, is that more worthwhile than keeping him on the bench and, and starting him for 80 games a year and playing some occasional shortstop? And, you know, Keith Law put his – Keith Law, who uh, you know notoriously hates the Yankees farm system, who's a cur- curmudgeon and, and is not somebody who I'm like, oh, my God, Keith Law's word is gospel. Like, I love that guy. But he's a hard ass. And so when he says somebody is special, I tend to take notice because of how much he hates all, all of my prospects. His, his top 100 list came out on, on you know Monday morning, and he usually has the Yankees way down. He had Jason Dominguez at 78. Cool, like rolling my eyes, had nothing interesting to say about it. But he had Anthony Volpe at 10, and he said, I, believe, I underestimated him. He has way more hit tool than I ever imagined. The Yankees seem to be holding off in the name of naming him their starting shortstop moving forward, and they should. They should be patient. He's a star. And so when I read that, I'm like, all right. Like, the more people who say that Anthony Volpe is a star, the better I feel about signing a stopgap. Now, that person should not be Andrelton Simmons if you want to actually contend in 2022. But that makes me more inclined to do something like Urshela at short, Chapman at third. Or Chapman at short, whatever the hell that is, and Urshela as a roving utility guy. But, you know, when I hear Anthony Volpe is truly special, I think – why not keep Urshela in some sort of roving role, have him take over some shortstop reps this year instead of signing someone I know is terrible like Andrelton Simmons? Uh, like, I would do VR and Urshela to man the shortstop hole rather than bring in Simmons who's awful or, or trade assets for Nick Ahmed uh, and just keep the seat warm. Now, I would still, you know, give me the truth serum and I'm still like, sign Carlos Correa, he's a superstar. Who cares? Yeah. Like Volpe, Volpe plays second base, Trey Gleyber Torres, who, who was awful for most of last year. But at this point, if I can't do that, I think I'm okay with letting Urshela rove around a little bit, play a little shortstop, as opposed to trading him, I mean, for what? For nothing. Like for in a Luke Voigt salary dump. Another trade for somebody who I think Voigt is more valuable than Urshela this year, honestly. Yeah. It's not going to net us anything in trade. So yep. why, why do it twice? That That's where I stand on this. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I, I, it's, it's, it's just whatever. It's a, once again, a conversation we shouldn't be having because we wouldn't be here if they were just like, all right, we'll spend 30 extra mil. See what we could do. Yeah. Once and again, something that should have been brought to my attention <laughs> yesterday. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep talking about it all off season long for whatever reason. Uh, that is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple podcast, Google podcast, wherever Joni Mitchell and Neil Young are going next. Uh, in addition to live on YouTube, uh mondays and and thursdays at two o'clock eastern time we'll be streaming on youtube and also twitter during that time make sure to catch us while we're talking at you and again we're planning uh post-game streams all that good stuff when the season actually begins 
we're bored of the offseason, too. But we're giving you all that we can uh, football season, a week without football this week, too, though. So maybe Major League Baseball can come to a conclusion come on. of these talks because you've got, two, you've got the sport free for two weeks. Nobody's talking NHL All-Star game. The floor is yours. You can do whatever you want. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't know if anybody's talking Super Bowl either. Bengals, Rams, do this. I mean, are there Rams fans? Based on yesterday, there are not. Uh, no, the Bengals intrigue not in LA. Me. No, not in Los Angeles, California. The Bengals intrigue me. I- I'm as happy as anybody else, but I don't think the Bengals are rating as cash cow either. Um, yeah, Ohio swing yeah. state, dude. People come the out. Patriots, the Patriots, nobody cared about them until Tom Brady. So maybe Joe Burrow will, you know, turn the tide. We got a bunch of little kids in Burrow jerseys. I, I just don't know. But MLB, the spotlight is yours. Please take hold of it. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes, baby. Um, yeah, the uh, a cool thing, Yankees land that I just saw. MLB The Show 22 coming out in April for all you play video games out there. Mm-hmm. The deluxe version, which I don't know what that entails. I have no idea what the deluxe version entails, but I'm sure a lot of video game heads buy it. Somebody Derek Jeter's me. on the cover. Cool. Derek Jeter is on the cover. I'm probably going to get it now. Because I got a Switch. They finally came out with MLB The Show for Switch. It was on PlayStation for however long. Then it finally went to Xbox. And then a few years later, now it's Nintendo. MLB, look at that. Maybe that's their big news over the next two weeks. They're like, eh, fuck the lockout. We got MLB The Show coming out. <laughs> um, hopefully not, though. Uh, I'm glad that they've expanded that game to more video game systems now. Get, get, get the uh, younger audiences more captivated and enthralled. Um, but aside from that, more Yankees content. Head on over to yanksoyard.com. Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS um, and head back here on Thursday, 2 p.m. live, live with the boys and the girls, everybody in the chat. Come hang out. Want to talk more baseball. Want to figure out how to get out of this lockout. Try to look forward to something that's happened in 2022. And until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday morning. We'll see you Thursday afternoon. Are they allowed to put the player heads in MLB The Show, or is it just like blur faces? I saw the mock cover with Otani. Otani's on the regular cover. He's mm-hmm. there. I, I I think this is the company. This is non-MLB releasing this, so it's a, it's a separate entity. Mm-hmm. It's, the it's not video like a John games. Dowd. It's not like a John no, Dowd situation no, from no. BPO4. No, it's not. Uh, All right. But, yeah, look forward to that, too. Fun signs. Yeah, enjoy your Jeter cover. Enjoy your week. We'll see you on Thursday, everybody. Goodbye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.